new pope who dis welcome to the officially unofficial podcast for the new pope on hbo i'm jim i'm aaron i'm cecily and we watch season one episode four of the new pope which i think is season two episode 14 of the young pope that sounds right uh what do you think of this week's episode this one was a man it I don't even want to say it's this. It felt like this was a lot, a lot more of a thinker that they're doing a lot of things with, um, uh, you know, comparing and contrasting what's going on with Esther and the church and John Paul III and, uh, you know, nun striking. And then on top of everything, looks like the young Pope is getting a little twitchy. Mm-hmm. He's moving his head around. Uh, so is he getting twitchy or is he? dying like you think his head, I, that was a that was a head de- death roll <laughs> flop i can never tell uh i can never tell with these popes and comas i thought it was i thought it was a, a gross gross motor function but it could be him just giving be. up the ghost like he's literally going, he ah. sees what esther's doing he sees <laughs> yeah. what the church is doing he's just yeah. like nah he's done no. he's done time to go to heaven yeah uh so but but like i said that i had to really think about a lot of things and i I had to do some research because some of the stuff that is going on about like the what's the eight for thousand i don't know what the hell the eight for thousand is um and you know some of the things they're doing with esther and her priest and this disabled or deformed i I don't know what to call this this kid this this 20 year old that they've they've got her um being fondled by uh it's some, some uncomfortable, uncomfortable watching. And the also, I remember this, at this point in young Pope, I, I, there's a lot of times where I'm like, Lenny, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and I find myself saying that about John at this point, like, what the hell is he doing? It seems like he is just, you know, slouching towards a failed papacy. And I didn't expect that hmm. from him. But I also think that he's probably got some some grander scheme that he's trying to pull off. What do you guys think? I mean, I kept thinking that as well. I, I keep thinking that there's no way he's going to go for this. The Bentley, the, the blackmail, there's no way he's going to go for this. But he's not a man of steel. And he said as much when he started, I guess. Hmm. Voyello just didn't expect for someone else to come along and have some other power over him. Which seems like your basic research you do if you're running for, you know, political office or something like that. You'd have someone yeah. vet you first so you'd know what people are going to bring forward against you, right? It seems like this guy who knows what's in the silver box has this huge power over him. This guy with a folder on Voyello has power over him. I would love to know what was in that folder that had Violo go instantly from talking shit to shitting his pants. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, what's it going to be? It's going to be, you know, the. then he looks at it and he's like, oh, my God, <laughs> what do you want? Yeah. Uh, Pulled this trick a hundred times. You're not scaring me. Oh, no, I'm scared. <laughs> the, the only thing I think would actually scare him is like an, a body count. Like, oh, you killed hmm. this guy. His body's here. You had this radical destroyed. This is where you ha- how like. Like like get a get a getting some kind of testimony from Bauer or photo evidence because any like Violo I don't think he fucks around sexually I don't think he has much in the way of conventional vice mm-hmm. he's just a ruthless old school medieval you know cardinal like killing people and poisoning people and and getting people out of the way. But um, if it's what's inside of the folder is like a threat against his favorite soccer team, <laughs> could, like, yeah, okay, sure they're gonna have the the lead 
footballer killed. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're going to destroy their chance at the World Cup. Yeah. Doc he just blanches. <laughs> it's interesting to me that you guys think that the that John Paul III here is sort of not in control of anything or or is like taking some weird middle road here because I don't see it that way. I sort of mm. see it as him gathering information this is his intel phase of being the pope he just stepped into office he's diagnosing the church yeah yeah he's considering like what does the church need here um uh, what is the love that he's gonna bring it and i i think he's yeah i I don't see him as being weak at this moment i see him as simply planning Hmm. simply arranging pieces where he wants them do you think he's feigning uh, some of the vanity that he's showing as far as like, hey, I want to go. It's just the basic like discomfort with Marilyn Manson and then realizing that, oh, you're not the Pope. I thought you were. I didn't even know who you were. Well, I OK, so I guess I don't view that as vanity. I don't think him. So he likes Marilyn Manson. We know that he said as much. Uh, but I didn't see his reaction to Marilyn Manson not knowing who he was as vanity or hmm. as like feeling like he was jilted or something. I, I mm-hmm. viewed it more as like, oh, there's a problem of people not knowing the Pope. And I need to get the the image of the Pope out there so that, so that I can be an authority in people's lives again. Yeah, yeah I guess and he has said as much. He goes, this isn't vanity. This is a necessity. People should reflexively know yeah. who the, the Pope is. I felt very much like he was moving pieces in the middle of the episode too, but it's the confession at the end that he gives Gutierrez mm. Where he's saying, I've taken the first step towards sin, and it seems like he's falling in love with Sophia in a way, and that can be kind of a weakness. I have a confession. Okay. A, I'm falling in love with Sophia, but B... (laughs) Me too. uh, (laughs) Three. The Trinity is in in one accord on this. (laughs) I I did not remember what his confession was. He said, I'm taking the first step towards sin. I think that's all we got. It was was like a, a... a confession. confession right yeah. okay. because you could and they the way they filmed like sophia <laughs> positioning herself in front of the glory <laughs> hole uh contrasted to gutierrez gutierrez's remember mem- memory of uh going out with freddie and you know seeing his gorgeous body etc i thought that what we were supposed to understand is that sir john was fantasizing or putting himself in the place of gutierrez only with something that he was tempted by but then of course we find out that no this is actually a glory hole such situation with yeah. her and tomas and this going is like a, a frank and claire underwood yeah. power power sex exchange thing. Thing. like yeah yeah, and, I think all those things are true. I think in that moment mm-hmm. he was fantasizing, and we see what a- she's actually doing. Well, that's what okay. this show is so. It's it's so hard. It defies like your traditional analysis of symbolism versus real events because sometimes those lines are very blurry, especially when you got like centipedes crawling in people's ears. Yeah, but or, like or it's slaloms with crosses. I yeah, <laughs> but it's like, did that really happen? And did yeah. you know? It's like then it's contrasted the kids skiing into gravel path. But I, the, the way they played it is like I'm not sure if he's talking about fault, like the lust he feels for Sophia. If he's talking about the, um, the financial deals that he's making or the compromises he's making for the church's behalf to keep it solvent or wh- whatever, to keep it relevant on the world stage. Um, or the guy blackmailing him, knowing what's in the box. Yeah, yeah, because the thing is, is like with Lenny, 
I didn't understand what he was doing, but I always felt like he was in control and mm-hmm. what was happening was exactly what he'd ha- happened. But there's a lot of unguarded moments with, with Sir John here where it's like he, and, and maybe this is just for the benefit of us and the camera and he's rope-a-doping us, but he seems to be think thinking, what have I got myself into? Like, um, you know, I thought it was going to be this way and it's actually this other way. And I thought that this would be fun, but it's not fun. I thought, and that's what... It, it, he feels very like he's allow, he's allowing himself to go along with a lot of things. But also he says, I'm not concrete and I'm not committing to everything. So maybe he's giving people enough rope to collectively hang themselves from St. Peter's Basilica. I, I, I don't know. But he's playing this. And they've told him that they've said us also the entire season that this is a porcelain pope. He's very fragile. Um, and it seems like they're telling the story of this fragile, manipulable, manipulatable, um, easily flattered Pope being just railroaded. Hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, that could just be him playing whatever game he's playing. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I'm, I'm really not sure. And sometimes this show is, is messy. Um, which yes. would be very bad on another show, but somehow I feel like it works here. Yeah, because they you know, do the, on that spiritual, physical, metaphor, yeah. literal, just like the Bible. Like, Jesus mm. was probably a real historical figure, but did he turn water into wine and walk on the water? That's a whole other question. So, yeah. like, um, when you're trading in those kind of ideas, it's easy to be that, you know, f- that fluid and, and messy and have it seem like oh well that's the intention instead of like oh this is just they they got to sit part in the writer's room and went ah, yeah. and and that came out <laughs> on, uh, on the screen here are the weekly highlights coming up this week on bald move apple tv is releasing a new series based on blake crouch's novel dark matter aaron and i are big fans of his work so we're picking up the new show on day one join us this wednesday for the preview podcast The Shogun Limited series might be over, but that doesn't mean our Shogun coverage has to end. We've got the wrap-up podcast releasing this Tuesday, where we'll consider all your feedback and final thoughts on the series. And because we like the show so much, we decided to go all the way back to 1980 to cover the first TV adaptation of the novel. Do what you can to find a copy and join us this Thursday for the first of our four-part podcast on the 1980 Shogun miniseries. And finally, the latest first-run movie, The Fall Guy, features Emily Blunt and Ryan Gosling. He's a stuntman tasked with finding the star of his ex-girlfriend's movie when he suddenly goes missing. Is it a rom-com? Yes. Does that mean I'll automatically hate it? Not if the trailer lives up to its promise. Join us for the podcast on Bald Move Pulp this Thursday night. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Do we want to talk like in a little bit more focused way about the plot? Because I, as always, kind of want to start with uh, John Paul III. I'm sure. Housekeeping. Some brief housekeeping before we begin. Thanks to everybody who showed up and supported our annual Groundhog Day charity drive on Twitch this weekend. We watched 24 hours of disaster movies to raise money for the Australian Red Cross and raised well over 11000 We'll have the final tally after we total up all the merch and Twitch subs, but that's an impressive sum, and we couldn't have done it without everyone, so thanks once again. The Baldies are almost upon us. The Baldies are, of course, the least ridiculous award show on the planet where Jim and I recognize excellence in TV and movies in 2019. But that's just, like, our opinion, man. Most categories have a Listener's Choice Award as well, and we'd like to hear from you. 
Find the link for the Baldy survey in these show notes for the podcast you're listening to. And let us know what you think is the best in bald move 2019. We'll have the award show out by next Wednesday. Better Call Saul is just around the corner. Next week, we'll be recording our season five preview. If you want to get in some early thoughts and predictions, send that in to bettercallsaul at baldmove.com. Jim and I will be reviewing two classic movies this week and next. This week, we're watching 1969's Easy Rider, and next week, we'll be taking on Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren in 1992's Universal Soldier. The latter was one of the first directing gigs for the arguable star of our disaster movie marathon, Roland Emmerich. And that's what's happening on Bald Move this week. Is there anything we want to say about the... What do you think of the Marilyn Manson appearance, the cameo? It was not what I expected. I hadn't seen Marilyn Manson for like 15 years, yeah. so I was kind of shocked at the ravages of, of uh, you know, he's, he's still doing the Marilyn Manson shtick, but uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, he's it, older. He's going into like a reality show Ozzy Osbourne kind of phase mm-hmm. where, you know, is, is he aware of everything he's... that he's doing? And <laughs> Right. Uh, just so coincidentally, like I was reading on Reddit, uh, there was something that hit the front page about what's the worst concert experience you had in your life. And there's a lot of people saying that I guess like modern Marilyn Manson concerts are a shit show hmm. because he shows up with full contempt of the crowd <laughs> in various stages of inebriation and preparedness. And uh, it's it, it, it's not good. So. Yeah, that's what you get from a free person, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> so it's so admirable. Doesn't owe you shit. He's got his own man. Um, yeah, it was, it was a quieter scene. It was a less eventful scene than I expected. It uh-huh. was just awkward. Yeah, it was awkward, but not in the way I would expect it. No. Like with a pope meeting with Marilyn Manson, just right. just the basic awkwardness of the pope not sure what he's supposed to say to him and Marilyn. Yeah. Clearly... there's like a human awkwardness to it that you don't expect from Marilyn Manson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if or if there was awkwardness, he would just do something weird, like whip his dick out or yeah. you know piss on the the pope's sofa or something. The globe. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't just expect him to kind of wallow in it like a normal person. Mm. I love that he remembers that the pope gave this really moving speech mm-hmm. um didn't remember him having a beard didn't remember that the pope had a heart attack at the end of that speech <laughs> it's been it's a lot happened been, in nine months to be and fair and there's been to, two popes since then yeah yeah to be he's fair to mr man his album yeah he's, he's working on his album it's there's a lot that a lot of shit went down in the last nine months um there's a scene after this where I don't know. There's a whole like the the Pope has called all the cardinals together to celebrate their their elaborate baking, <laughs> baked goods. Mm-hmm. They had the great papal bake off show, uh, and then it's interesting because there's this cardinal that's strumming about like this. I, I was paying attention to song lyrics, and it's like you know what what makes us feel so good when we're together. What makes us feel this way? What is the feeling? God loves us, and He's happy if He's able to show us our love. And then John Paul cuts him off. <laughs> And I'm like, is this a metaphor for like some of the the gay relationships that we're seeing in the Vatican that like, uh, you know, they're all together and they're at one and they're brothers and they love each other. But suddenly it's a problem if anyone. I wouldn't even say it's the gay relationships because it's the sex all around in all of these relationships like Esther and the priest. And the nuns are getting freaky with each other, and it seems like. Esther and... and the boy that she's, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't say forced or made to, but definitely strongly encouraged to have Certainly sex coerced, with. I would yeah, say. Yeah, coerced. Yeah. It's, it's all the relationships. They're all fucked up. 
Yeah. It's the nuns having sex with each other and kissing gar- boys or refugees in garden sheds. It's the guilt and the shame that seems like yeah. is the problem. Like imagine if God were shame, like if, if God was only allowed to love uh, women between the ages of 18 and 99. Everybody else, it's like if he loves them, he's just got to feel weird about it. Like little boys, grown men uh intersex people like uh god's oh oof, i don't who does this even look right like but there's all this like guilt and shame about it. it's not it's like hey do i want to do this thing with my body do i want to give the, the feel this way about a certain person and how should i express it it's this other layer of also there's these rules that tell me that you know like gutira says like you know god fulfills me spiritually uh freddie fulfills me physically and yet why do i feel so empty right it seems like the emptiness is generated by the arbitrary rules that are put upon both of those relationships mm-hmm. yeah the clash between those two things but then again those rules are part of the catholic church mystique that we keep on hearing throughout these last two seasons that that's the real lifeblood that the the church runs on um mm-hmm. if it's if it's anything less than inscrutable then people will you know get bored with it and and put it on a shelf and and not play with it anymore right uh but this scene also talks about like i don't know if this is going to be the john paul three doctrine where uh you know hey look uh we're not going to hang pedophile priests because that's not christ-like um and the church doesn't abandon people when they're ill and that's what these these pedophile church priests are but what you do have to do is quarantine the ill from the healthy and you can't have them at the heart of ecclesiastical life, which means I think that if you are uh, a, a caught being a pedophile, then you can't be a priest anymore. Yeah, and it's, could it be. seems like the yeah. bare minimum that that would have to happen, but um, the yeah. devil's in the details of that too. Yeah, I'm hoping for John Paul to start elaborating on some of these things and less like the metaphors of love, because what does that mean if you if you make someone not a priest anymore then where do they go and who do they continue to hurt outside yeah. of the church and like is that so it's like is that like a, a secret thing that's like well you're just retiring as a priest and you can go forth and or is it more like you're no longer a priest and also these charges have been uh handed over to authorities to investigate but that properly. would be hanging them mm-hmm. right it'd be well i mean i don't it's the the Could the, the church wouldn't be the ones doing the hanging it would be caesar and traditionally, Seems the church like is okay with Caesar doing whatever the fuck Caesar wants to do. Sure, mm. but I mean, I think it feels like John Paul is taking a different approach to this. Well, and, and I, what I really love is, and this is like the third episode they've done it, like he makes these very high-minded uh, appeals, this middle way appeal to these topics. And he's done it in the address to the curio, and now he's doing it in this little more informal bakery kind of thing. But they always have the camera like spinning around him and you're and it, it, it's slow enough that you can see each word register on the Cardinal's faces. And some of them are like, oh, I really like that. And some of them are like, I don't know about that. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I is is are you supposed to understand that this is John Paul's also seeing this, too? And he's kind of triangulating like what is the thing that's going to what what's the thing that I can push through with my power? What's the thing where people are going to be like, OK, well, yeah, we can get behind this. What's going to be all oh, that's too far? What's the thing that's going to get me murdered? Whereas like right. J- like Jude Law's Lenny didn't ever give a no. fuck. He was saying what he thought was right and what what how he understood his relationship with God and how people should interface with God in the church and whether they liked it or not. He's the Pope, damn it. And mm-hmm. it's going to happen that way. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's one of the reasons I give 
uh, John Paul III a little more credit um, mm-hmm. than to say, oh, he's this porcelain priest is because he doesn't seem to just like, he. it seems like he's taking his time in this. And I view that sort of as, yeah, a way of preparing, not not like unsurety or or some kind of like indecision. It's more just like figuring out the landscape. Yeah, I wonder because that's kind of the core of my issue is like with this meeting Spalletta, uh, Cardinal Spalletta has with him outside represents him to Bentley. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm not concrete. And they have like these dueling blackmails. Like, I remember when we shared a room and he's like, yeah, I remember all the young people you had in and out of there. It's like, I remember that silver box you had, this goddamn silver box. Um, and then like the way Malkovich kind of smiled and says, I just never answer because he says, what, what do you prefer? Holy father, blackmail or benevolence? He's like, I, I never answer serious questions at night, especially if I've been drinking champagne. And I'm like, okay. So John Malkovich kind of doesn't give a fuck. But the next time we see it, he's saying he's trying to find a middle way between setting aside Viola, which is what Thomas and this guy wants mm-hmm. and having this guy in his inner circle. It's like, well, why not just slam the door shut on this guy? What does he have over him? Is that he's it, a heroin used to be a heroin addict, still a heroin addict? Is it that he's doing the uh, keep your enemies close thing? Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm wondering. Yeah. Also, I'm now as as much as I oh, God this goddamn silver box. As much as I was dismissive <laughs> of it next week, I am starting to think that it might be something a little bit more complicated than just you know some rubber tube Sleep and a syringe because yeah. that's a long time to have a heroin habit in check. I mean, sure. I I know that people there are people that have been able to to you know not chase that dragon's tail, but holy hell, you your it, brother dies at twenty five and forty years later, you're still you know like Mister Roboting it, you know just like carefully mm-hmm. controlled things of heroines you can get by like that. How would you feel if we never found out? I, that I actually think that'd be amazing. Ugh. I want to know though. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> yeah. it, it is. It's like it's like uh, you know, if if someone asks you in the middle of Pulp Fiction, like, what if you never find out what's in yeah. the briefcase? We'd probably ah, oh, but that's kind of the brilliant thing about it. It's what mm-hmm. it means. It's something he's deeply ashamed of. It's something that he needs or thinks he needs to function. What is it exactly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now he's in this position where he has to choose whether or not to appoint. Sophia's husband to his inner cabinet as well. So mm-hmm. that, and he clearly does by the end of this episode. Yeah, I Seems think so. Like, that's what the probably the the, the glory BJ is all about. The successful culmination of this plot. Yeah. Um, some people I, I saw on the internet were like, "Seems like there are some fans that are really ripping this season." I I still on episode four. I'm not sure why, but the, the one of the um, attacks is well, this Thomas guy, Tomas. Where the fuck did he come from? If he's like making this play at this high level, why haven't we ever seen him in previous seasons? I feel like that's a pretty, I don't know, like like entry level take because a lot of there's a lot of upheaval. Like maybe he didn't see a spot for doing this, and now there's been three popes come and gone, yeah. and he's got a friend that has a personal connection with this guy, and it just will happen. And he's he's taking a shot where that you know where Linny he had no in on, or say Francis he had no in on. It's like he's coming in now to plot because now is his time to to enter the story. Like, yeah, I mean he seems like obviously a finance guy who's familiar with the prime minister of finance. So maybe he's been working like political machinations in the see, past. So my understanding is that the 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 
the Vatican itself has pretty vast financial holdings mm-hmm. and a manager that manages that. And uh, it seems like what they're doing is maybe putting aside the old whoever was responsible for that before and elevating Thomas's and his acquisitions company. So now they'll be shuffling the billions that Rome has. Right. Exactly what I was thinking. And maybe there's like a new prime minister of finance that makes that puts him in a better position to do this thing. Right. Cause do you think it's a bluff that they're going to. No, I mean, I think it's a. No, I think, I think, it's think it's about the, it, I think Italian it's politics. Of, yeah. Politics and the church, like the, the, the the balance of power there has been shifting for centuries mm-hmm. uh, toward the more secular side. Um, you know, the the church has been losing a lot of power in that in Europe in general, uh, and I think this is just you know more of that. But mm-hmm. Spalletta says if you appoint Thomas, he can get them to change their mind, right? Uh, and I don't remember. Yeah, so that same guy was the one that met them, but he said he can delay bunker, it, right? Delay he, it. I, yeah, and and by the time that happens, maybe there'll be somebody new in office, and mm. like, yeah, we can maybe push this off long enough for it to never happen. But like, because there's so much upheaval in Italian politics, right? Right. Because I'm and, totally in agreement that they shouldn't be paying taxes to the church. Well, yeah, but you know, Italy's a <laughs> Italy's a strange and wonderful place. Uh, <laughs> I think that it's clear to me that the billion dollar of euro that they would lose does not matter to the church. It's more of like the, again, the mystique that they've got like this, uh, this, this large, powerful, historically important country that tithes mm-hmm. on an official basis, $8 per every, and the way the eight per thousand means, uh, I did a little bit of research that they're, um, that every eight dollars that an Italian makes, or every thousand dollars an Italian makes, they have to remit this eight dollars to this fund. Yeah. And the fund isn't even what it used to be. Like I guess you can on your tax return earmark what you want these funds to be used for, but if you don't, it like it defaults to uh, this portfolio of people, and the Catholic Church makes up a big, big portion of it. So undoing that would undo a, a billion dollars of free funding they get just from Italy alone. But like again, the, the on the church's scale, that that billion dollars has got to be less than nothing. They made it seem like it was going to bankrupt them, or maybe they were just being. But that's what they were. That's what they were saying, you know, in front of the politicians. Like, surely not. Surely I, not. You don't need yeah. a billion dollars to to operate. But maybe you do. Maybe they need that know. to keep their cash flow positive. Um. Uh, yeah, it could be. I, I guess I was reading something about like the, the church's holdings and it, it all had to do with like Lenny being in Venice as like, you know, the, his sort of, uh, coma bed sanctuary thing. Mm-hmm. Cause that seems to be what's the, what is happening here. Like I didn't realize that all these people going back and forth to Venice were going to visit Lenny or going to mm-hmm. interact with Lenny somehow i did not know how far venice was away from rome it's like a four and a half hour uh, train trip or whatever Uh, it's not like like an it's not like driving an hour or something it's a significant why so why is he in venice recovering and i don't know why he's there but i was looking into the holdings of it to see oh what buildings do they have in venice and stuff like that and i read something that said that in 2017 the church claimed net profits of 76 million dollars which you minus a billion from that 
and the numbers don't look good. Yeah, but is that like the that New Line Cinema maintains that they right. netted That's what uh, seventeen dollars from Lord of the Rings? Yeah, because... after we buy six hundred thousand rings, yeah. one for uh-huh. each new yeah, card. Have you seen the solid gold Jesus and, and, we and have? Bentleys but... and a contemporary right. cross. Yeah, it's yeah. All... Like what is and also what is their net worth? Right. Because if net worth is like you know five hundred and seventeen billion dollars, then who yeah. gives a fuck what their their you know net revenue is? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about the trip that they took to Venice? Speaking of Venice, where uh, at, at Marilyn Manson's behest, uh, John Paul III uh, goes to visit him, and uh, it seems like he dealt like with his feelings of lust towards Sophia by like transmuting that to like you know the him like lusting after him with her his eye, like he turned that around and made himself an object of the gaze of the of, of the press like he tried to transmute that like fascination with seeing her the fascination with seeing him and he holds his hand there's this scene with the doctor which i liked well in that same scene sh- he gets her to look at him the same way yeah right 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 so it's, it's mm-hmm. trying to like you know uh it's not jealousy but more of like i want you to notice me yeah. i'm noticing you now I want you to notice me. Yeah. Um, they had this scene with the doctor who's same guy that plays Proctor Kai on Banshee. Yes. The, the big bad of that it's series. Ulrich Thompson. Haven't seen him in a while. He's got to do more than just this scene, right? I hope so. Okay. Because if, you know, Lenny starts making a miraculous recovery, I'm sure he'll he'll come back. But he says, he explains that he's, he's in a coma. He's alive. He doesn't know. For the first time, they said that they don't expect him to recover. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing indicating this isn't a type of coma that you're going to wake up from. Um, which doesn't mean you won't. It's just yeah, especially you know someone who can perform miracles and <laughs> right. probably has the grace of God or whatever. Sure, you know, sure, yeah, <laughs> who's able to appear in everyone's bedrooms throughout the series. Yeah, um, and then they also set up another goddamn mystery, which is uh, Sir John goes to confront what I'm going to call the the hooded idolaters, mm. and this this very fierce and distinctive woman refuses to kiss his ring but does grab him into like a hostile embrace and whispers something to his ear will we ever find out what that is or is this going to lost in translation kind of thing yeah i don't think i don't think we will um did he tell what would you say his reaction upon hearing it was like the look on his face I don't have words for it. It's it's somewhere between like surprise and pity and horrified and like there, there's it's complicated. I thought I saw some some flash of real anger too. Anger or, or maybe maybe, yeah. if, maybe offense because you said horror or like but, but something like yeah. uh, you know like there is an affront hmm. that that just took place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it causes him. So here's something Cecily and I were debating. Maybe you can settle it for us. Uh, Sir John rips the curtains down in the Vatican. <laughs> do they replace those exact same curtains, or do they? Because I took it that he thought, like for whatever reason, this room is too dark, and he ripped down the outermost curtains, and then they replaced them with a lighter one. But she says that hmm. they were ripped down and re- replaced the same ones, and it was just a different. It was a later time of the day, so it was brighter. Yeah, outside. I mean, it, it was him at night. 
Wasn't it putting night? his yeah, it was. He was putting his pope or his pipe down and then he walks over to the window because well, it's he, dark he outside and it's nighttime and it's dark outside. That's how you know it's night. And he rips down the curtains. The next morning he's in there he with visibly other, brightens when he rips those curtains. Let me finish. Down. He's All in right. there with other people, visibly brighter because it's daytime and the mm. people have just put the curtains back up. No, because they're no, leaving the, with the ladder. They're, they're leaving with the ladder. There is no evidence of them putting the curtains back up. I was distracted by John Malkovich trying desperately not to get hit with the heavy curtain rod when it came down. <laughs> That's that thing will brain you, yeah, yeah, for sure. He he looks like he's very unsure. The the stuntman has told him, look, the curtain rod is not coming down. We've got it on wires. <laughs> not a problem, John. But when he pulls that, it looks very much like he does not want to be hit with a heavy metal rod. <laughs> yeah. Uh. What do we make of Adam pretending to ski on their Downton Abbey family grounds? And then cut to the actual scene of maybe someone skiing between crucifixes? The, the yeah, Well, you cut to the box. Yeah. You, so, right. Yeah. So, there's the pretend skiing scene. Uh-huh. There's the actual, like, solemn scene with the crosses. And then you cut directly to the box. Mm-hmm. And Did I have he, no fucking idea. It, he's they're visibly aged. They're they have to be in their twenties ish now, maybe yeah. getting somewhere close to twenty five. Did he did Adam mm. die in a skiing accident? Are we getting closer maybe. to figuring out what happened to him? It was a cold winter day. Uh-huh. What could John Malkovich have possibly cruci- done to prevent his death as he's skiing? He slammed in one of those crucifies and uh <laughs> he got it wasn't wearing his helmet. He Sonny Bonoed himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have no idea what what they're going with this. It's it's one of those things where it's like my brain marks it as interesting and intriguing and save it for later because yeah. you're not going to understand even by half what the hell this 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 is this is just rosebud shit from Citizen Kane. But I think that's where the show kind of defies that because in the next episode they might explain it completely mm-hmm. and we're looking too hard at it right now. Yeah, <laughs> could be. Uh, so what's I, I have the next section I want to talk about is Viola versus Spalletta because it seems like these are in opposition. Viola is uh, Viello is under kind of siege and uh, has some credible threats against him where Spalletta is coming in with this unique relationship. Uh, there's I, I think it's important that like Sophia is standing behind him. Um, but his initial turn where it felt like a defeat where the Pope, you know, what he really wanted to be is a secretary of state. What he got to be is this kind of amorphous personal assistant slash what? Secretary of creativity, secretary of creativity, in charge of creativity. Yeah. But all these creative solutions got panned and except for the one where he's like, uh, cause one, he gave an idea about doing this art installation of this new crucifix and viola shit all over it. Cause yeah, we've done this before and it's going to be this, it's going to be that, it's going to be expensive. Mm-hmm. The next one he suggested, uh, Sir John himself shits on and then Viello is there to be like, Oh, I thought that was a excellent suggestion or something. <laughs> yeah. Sarcastic asshole. Uh, what 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 is i that's the thing is like i don't understand why sir john is entrusting him that, that's why i don't understand his game because the next thing is he says he wants to counsel him by himself and he just asks about viello and what he thinks he had to do with uh the death of the previous pope but sir john yeah. knows like right he, yeah i feel like he's just gathering information like like jim said earlier is, he, is this a test to see how much power this guy actually has? Because, like, you know, if you want to be the man, you need to be able to take down the man. Mm-hmm. And if you can't take down the man, then why would I have you as my man when I have the man right here? I think he's suspicious of everyone in this entire organization, aside from maybe Gutierrez. Uh, 
so I, yeah, I still, I think he is, like you said, keeping his enemies close, using them, pumping them for information, uh, and sort of biding his time until he understands the lay of the land. It seems like no one knows that uh, Vuelo has the, I cannot say this guy's name, uh, doesn't has his Bauer guy as yeah. his ace up his sleeve. Is that really supposed to be a mystery? Because there's this talk about like the Lord's clear. He's clearly helped by the Lord, but who is this Lord? And then they show his him. face, right? So but then they also- Is he divine and show Bauer or is he human and show his Guillermo? Guillermo. Guillermo. I- what so what is the true source of his power i guess is what they're they're hinting at and then i thought that they were i was like looking at him discussing these things with girolamo and uh he goes on this fascinating speech about like to me i the, his the 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 crystalline truth as he sees it as power and mortal sin are the same. They're divinely bound. Like you can't have true power in this world and and if you do it comes with sin. Um, and I thought he was going to go really something interesting, but then he, I think, just diverges into soccer talk, where he starts worrying mm-hmm. about the, his his best team's lineup and whether they could have done more of the acquisitions. But also, that works as a way, like if you're talking about like a holding company that might be set, you know, checking out the Vatican's assets, like it works on that level too. Some kind of metaphor here, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Again, um, but then we also see that these Italian politicians who are running against, uh, you know, privilege and corruption are revoking this eight per uh, thousand rule. And uh, he also shows up at the folder and Viello is very dismissive of it until he's not. And the guy doesn't really want anything except for, hey, there's no more backroom games. It's over. It's old, obsolete. And you're dishonest and outdated. And it really puts Viello's puts him back on his heels. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of how this season is shaping up. I think introducing all these new factions, the you know the assassin on uh, Viello's side, the government getting involved, mm-hmm. um, Spalletta and all his stuff. Uh, I, I I'm really more intrigued by this season um, as far as like the actual plot goes yeah. than I was last season. Yeah. I think I'm, I agree. Like last season, might have coasted more on the personal char- charisma and magnetism of Jude Law's performance, whereas yeah. this is the the, the intrigue is because because you know Lenny defeated all Viello's schemes by just right. being just incorruptible. Fiat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and and being incorruptible as well. Yeah. Just having no weaknesses to exploit. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is a little bit more interesting because Sir John got plenty of weaknesses that that one could explore yeah everyone mm-hmm. in this equation does and then you've also got the nuns on yeah on that side you know haven't got to the nun strike yet i want to talk uh, see if there's anything uh the more to say about this gutierrez because i thought this is interesting especially the way they frame it with um so you got the confession also you've got the glory hole and as the the writer in a vulture pointed out, like these are examples of people having an intimate act with a barrier between them. Okay. You know, uh-huh. and also in both of these cases, like there is this this ex- expectation of anonymity and privacy, but in this particular situation, 
uh, you know, glory hole, you go in a bathroom of a truck stop and you get your dick sucked or you suck a dick. You have no idea whose dick that is or whose mouth that is. Here yeah. you got husband and wife in this, uh, you know, if you, if you go to your parish priest and he's got like 500 people in his congregation, he might not recognize your voice or your profile or whatever. But here you've got the Pope and the Pope's confessor. Like everyone knows yeah, what's going on. They walk into the room the, at the same time. Like they know. Yeah. yeah. So like that's I think very very interesting where you got this supposed veil of secrecy between these intimate acts but then they also juxtapose it with Esther. Yeah. And what's going on So so Esther seems like she's just being straight up and I th- I wonder if they're trying to say something about um the the these pedophile priests because it seems to me that Esther's being groomed like this is classical grooming and she's a grown ass woman Absolutely. which is a big difference than than a child. But like She's got what she thinks she should do and wants to do, and she's got uh, her boyfriend. You call him a boyfriend. Uh, you've got her, yeah. her, your uh, Fabiano. You got her parish priest. That's you know she's is she does she know what's going on when he comes in the room and fondles her? Is she like in the in the throes of like Lenny ecstasy, or is that just her happy place she goes to so she doesn't have to? She like disassociates and fantasizes about Lenny instead of this this dude. I think that's absolutely what's happening because this guy has the power over her, where yeah. she lives, how she can provide for her son. Oh, for sure. And he's gonna take it. I mean, I think he they tested her by giving her over to Fabiano and seeing her willingness to do that. And now that she's proved that she's a good Christian, it just makes it just puts this veil of of Christianity over all of it and just makes it so gross and it's hard to separate the two. Remind me, what and, was... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. And yeah, and just her imagining Lenny in that moment who she's seen... Who feel, she feels has abandoned her and she just doesn't have this this choice anymore, but he was the pure thing, the purest part of Christianity for her. Mm-hmm. So I think he comforts her in those moments of being molested by this guy. What was that documentary that we watched? I was on Netflix about these Catholic priests that were long-term abusing these young women. And it wasn't men in this case. It was young women um, and, like, some of the nuns. Do you remember that one we watched? It's called... I didn't watch that one. Oh, okay. Well, shoot. Because, like, a lot of what this is going on where, like, these priests would um, abuse these young women and then use that abuse as kind of like, well, yeah, you're used up and sinful. There's you got nothing. Kind of like the same way with, uh, you know, Fabiano's like, well, you're just, uh, you're not willing to do what it takes to be a real Christian. And, you know, then when she does that, then stash, but, but there's, it's interesting because the very last scene she has with this young man, there's also this kind of veil of shadow and stuff. So they've got this kind of permeable wall to intimacy, but seems like she's been able to find, get in touch with something that allows her to see the beauty in what she's doing. Right. Or have some sort of power in her own situation in that moment. Right. But with all the conditioning that's gone on to get her to this point, I wonder like, is that actually genuine or no way it can be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all fucked. It's all real fucked. You know, the nuns even, uh, they say that at one point, when she when they say that they want respect and he says can you elaborate on that a little more and she says do i really need to tell you what it is your brothers can get up to uh-huh. and it just makes you feel like everyone's everyone <laughs> is affected it's all about the sex and the problematic nature of it so let's talk about the nun strike 
Um, we see the nuns doing this lay-in in the Sistine Chapel. Um, Cavallo uh, is ready to resign over the uh, potential disgrace he's going to bring to his boss because uh, they weren't put off with the usual wall of indifference. Uh, so, you know, Vielo finds out that they just wanted 200 euros and goes to quickly make amends. But now the nun's like, oh, no, 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 no. Our demands have changed. We want social, moral, and economic recognition of their work. Uh, they want to be able to administer the sacraments, which is, you know, the Eucharist and the wine. Um, and they have a whole other list of, of things. And it seems like that the abbess was going to get railroaded by Viello, whereas uh, Sister Lizette sees the trap that he's setting for her. That, like, you're just going to increase his personal power and diminish ours. Mm -hmm. And Viello's, like, rubbing his hands together, like, oh, man, I finally have a worthy adversary, a challenge. <laughs> um, but, like, I don't know. I found this scene very depressing because I see myself as a person trying to make changes to a powerful entrenched system from the outside. And the scene kind of like showed the futility of resisting when the other person has all of the power and all of the control mm -hmm. because he's able to undo their protest. And all the passwords to the Wi-Fi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's able to, he's able to fuck them over um, because they can't leave. Like they're, the, the, they can't leave the, so they can't actually collaborate with nuns in, in person. Mm -hmm. He's able to switch off their Wi-Fi, and that's it. That's it. That's all they can, they, they can no longer collaborate and disseminate their ideas. How, how are they going to win? Or, or, or is it was the dark answer? Is there not? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, this is easily my favorite part of the episode. This battle between the nuns and mm -hmm. Voyello, because yeah. Voyello is so fucking shameless. Like he's just he's completely bald faced here. He knows they know exactly what he's doing. He knows that they know. He doesn't give a shit. Uh, and that Wi-Fi thing is so genius, in my opinion, because he's he's setting up a no-win scenario for them and yeah they're already kind of in a no-win scenario they're nuns mm -hmm. in the vatican mm -hmm. uh but here the the one thing that they had the one bit of power he's taken away and he's asked he's telling them that they have to compromise their position on this whole thing in order to fix the thing that would allow them to organize more right uh and it's it's just this like catch-22 that is so brilliantly played out. And he, he already identifies the weak one, like the abbess. She's so tired. She's yeah. worried that she might have some lump in her breast. And here's and... the thing. Like, he's using the smallest bit of the information he's picked up, mm -hmm. right? Because uh -huh. he's picked up shit about them fucking each other, about yeah. them kissing boys in the shed. Like, right. there's a lot of shit that is real sinful in the Catholic Church that he knows about. It's and one he's directional. using the smallest fucking bit, right? Yeah. And so if they overcome this... Guess what? There's a bigger hurdle in front right. of you the next time. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. he's like, this is the benevolence versus the blackmail, and it's one yeah. directional because the nuns can't go into the Vatican and place hidden cameras. It'd be kind no. of badass if if they did. <laughs> right. But you know, I just ah, man, it's it just and the way he, the way he meets him at first and like has this kind of wall indifference, forces him to kiss the ring, and then the second time when he's got information and he uses that to negotiate, where he's buttering up the abbess with the chamomile tea mm -hmm. and. And, uh, you know, I'm just I'm merely a paper pusher. <laughs> and it's like, well, we request to see, meet the Holy Father himself. Well, of course, that's your every right. You just have to file an official request to see him. With well, who? With me. <laughs> and the way he brightens up. And then, oh, my God, that Cavallo gig, his fucking giggling. Yeah, that Aww. got me. 
Someone needs to like. There needs to be like an old school like uh, Machiavelli garroting uh, with him. I, I need to see you know Bauer or I don't know. There's this the the nuns need their own Bauer. They do. Nuns need a Bauer, and this guy needs to be strung up. Mm-hmm. Cause holy hell, it's been it's been <laughs> it's been a minute since I've hated a, a person on television this much. Just the, their face. Like we're we're talking like King. He's getting to be King Joffrey, and that's impressive. Because he hasn't, as far as I can tell, mm-hmm. he hasn't done near the rehim- reprehensible shit that he got up to. But oh my god, yeah. just his manner and affect and how much mm-hmm. joy he takes in yeah, bringing people it. low. Just cool. You want to kick him in the teeth? <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, Sister Lizette and the the leader of the, the hoodie Abbas. fanatics would really oh, be good friends. The leader now, of what? The hoodie fanatics. Oh okay. yeah, the hoodie, the, ho- the hooded idolaters. That's mm-hmm. actually a power couple right, right? there then I you have the refugee that. that's inside that can uh-huh. that can leave and like run messages back and forth to the nuns outside i think they they should use him in some yeah. way yeah they will i There's just i'm worried for him if they do because voyello is not above having someone murdered it's true, true. Uh, no matter how I, high up they are, yeah, I say don't get involved, kid. <laughs> Stay out of it. I wonder how much longer he'll have. How much longer he'll have that power? Because it does feel like that he's at the end of this episode. It feels like he's very boxed in. Because mm-hmm. um, whatever's in that report, it's you know got him completely serious and sober about what his position is in the church and how precarious it is. And at the same time, this uh, this new cardinal, a, a, a Sp- Spal- uh, Spalletta, seems like he's ready to capitalize in, on this power vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's really fascinating stuff. We'll have to see uh, what's the next celebrity cameo. We're going to sh- get Sharon Stone next week. Uh, uh, we might. I feel like the Pope John Paul might get involved with this nuns strike soon, though. Has Be- to eventually. because the nun, the nun for the popes who always gets respect, makes them aware of what's happening. Yeah, we didn't yeah. mention that there and is. They do strike. have an in a mm-hmm. direct. It's it's not completely sealed off because we have this one sister who is not partaking in part of the strike, but she does have their ear and mm-hmm. she has the pope's ear. Mm-hmm. So good point. Any other things that we we missed? Uh, Asente dancing. <laughs> This is my oh favorite. My this is my favorite dance scene so far. To be, to be, to be, to be or not to be. be. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good. He's the only one who stops dancing, and like in all those end credit scenes, like everybody, like, and he's the only, for lack of a better term, holy person mm. who's danced in any of those. Yeah, uh, or at least it appears to be. If we don't count the nuns in the opening credits. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about the post. Yeah, post credits. Yeah, stuff. just post credits, right? So like. What are they trying to say with that? When he's spotted by the other cardinals, and he sort of you know returns to is that form. Sh- maybe is that shame, that mm-hmm. self consciousness? Um, yeah. It's also I, um, the one thing we haven't talked about is Sophia is the only person in this inner circle of the Vatican who is is not a a priest herself, or is no as far as I can tell has no formal relationship with the church. She's just uh, part of the lay the lay yeah, people, the marketing director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's some kind of thing where you've got the people that are unselfconsciously and without abandon dancing in the end credits versus the priests. So it's like an inverse of that relationship, you know, that he feel like uh, mm. uh, he's the singular thing and he sees all these eyes on him and, oh, this isn't supposed to be the way a priest behaves. And yeah. Whereas um, Sophia can be a little playful and sexy in her meetings uh, in the Vatican, whereas, you know, Viello, Viello can't. 
I mean, he's I don't a, think there's no, anything Voyella could do to be sexy or and playful. playful. Right, oh, yeah. right. Unless no. it's with his uh, his his Venus. That's the only one that he yeah. can oh, really yeah, open up. Oh, yeah, the Venus of Willendorf it. is in yeah. his room. Yeah, mm-hmm. ah, he, he had it moved all right. Yeah. <laughs> he had it moved where yeah, it's, it's the it object of his veneration. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's episode of The New Pope. Uh, of course, we will be back next week to consider the next episode. Until that happens, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. I'm Cecily. See ya. Ride la stella ride fa tra la la we to be to be or not to be